the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so grateful that you're here, and I really hope that you've been enjoying the conversations that you've been listening to, and hopefully finding some tips, some next steps that you can take if you struggle with similar feelings of self-doubt, which obviously, as you're hearing, are fairly universal. This is something that we all go through from time to time. When I started this podcast, my goal was really to try to normalize the experience, to let everybody know that you are not alone, that there's a name for what you're feeling, and that there are steps that we can be taking to manage it more effectively. What I have found over the course of these conversations has been fascinating. I have had an absolutely powerful and different conversation with every single person who I have interviewed. I worried at one point that there may not be enough to talk about. How much is there to say about imposter syndrome? Are the stories gonna start to get repetitive? That has absolutely not been the case. Everyone brings a fascinating new perspective to this conversation. I have learned something from every discussion that we've had. I hope you have too. I wanna make a note that many of these recordings are being done during the social distancing that's happening with coronavirus. I am doing my best to protect the sound quality, but we are all in homes that have pets, kids, all kinds of background noise going on. For me, it's much more important to share with you a very natural conversation between two people than it is to share a perfectly polished recording. So I hope that you will bear with us if there are moments where the sound is not perfect. Uh, Really, my goal is to share stories, not to provide perfectly scripted, perfectly polished audio. So apologies for any imperfections that may be coming through in the recordings, but I'm hoping that you're getting the essence of the message regardless. So thank you again for being here. I wish you all the best and hope that you will consider sharing your own story one day. Thanks again. I'm so excited to have you. It's really exciting, especially because you and I had an opportunity to meet about six weeks or so now, and I knew as soon as we met that you would be a perfect person to have this conversation with. So I'm really, really Uh, glad you're here, and I'd love to start by just having you introduce yourself. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here as well. I'm so glad that our that our paths crossed. So, yes, I am a um, I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, naturopathic medical doctor by training, but I'm practicing now really as a holistic anxiety and relationship coach, helping people to um, really step into their their truest self and start to make decisions from a truth based place, really rather than letting fear hold them back and letting fear. Um, be in the driver's seat for them. So that's more of what I do now, even though I have um, you know, a medical background. And I have no doubt that you're going to have a lot to say about this topic. Uh, what, what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And how has it shown up in your life, in your career? Um, you know, how has it affected you, if at all? Yeah, so oh, it's it's shown up in so many ways. I feel like where hasn't it shown up? But um, I guess what it really means to me when I think of imposter syndrome, I sort of feel this this disconnect between how I'm presenting myself outwardly and how I'm feeling internally about something. Almost like I um, 
am offering, I may be offering support or guidance on a particular subject where internally I feel like, wait, I haven't even mastered that myself yet. And that's when I start to feel like an imposter, like I'm overstepping my boundaries. I'm in this space where I really don't belong is um, kind of what imposter syndrome means to me. And I feel like I've I first experienced that since I was very, very young. Um, and maybe not, I didn't realize that it was pertaining to my career, but it was sort of setting that the foundation where later I was able to see it playing out in my career, always just feeling um, less than, or maybe not good enough. Like I didn't, um, there were always people who were better than me, who knew more, who could do more. And who was I to step into that space? If there was always someone better, um, is, is kind of my first experiences with that. I think that's so interesting the way you, yeah, that when you characterize it as overstepping your bounds, that's such an interesting way to say it. And I think that is a really, it's definitely a challenge for those of us who are trying to provide support to other people who are struggling with things because so many of the things that at least I, I know I speak for myself and probably for you too, is so many of the, of the things that we support others through we've been through ourselves. We're still figuring out ourselves, right? So yes. this sense of who, who am I, right? What, how am I supposed to be the expert in this area? Um, yes. I just, when it's happened to me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it feels to me. Like, yes, who am I to be doing this? And I think um, where I first started to see this play out in, in, in my career was um, when I graduated from medical school. So part of my, part of, really, um, you know, I tried to sugarcoat it in every sort of way of, oh, I want to go because I really care about people. That's why I want to go to school and be a doctor because, you know, I love, I love learning about the body and I love science and all of that is true. So it wasn't like that, that I was lying about that, but there was the big deeper meaning of why I think I really wanted to pursue um, a degree in medicine was to have that, that kind of coveted doctorate degree where I felt as though if once I had that degree, um, I separated myself from the population. I mean, just such a small percentage has um, an elite degree like that, that I felt that that would make me feel good enough. That would make me feel like I knew what I was talking about, that I'd be able to be confident. And I got the degree and I still felt insecure. And I, I actually probably was dealing with the most anxiety and depression ever once I graduated. So on paper, it looked like I, you know, checked all of these boxes. I was, you know, successful in so many ways. And I was feeling the worst about myself and almost feeling like I had the least to offer that I really ever had. Because now I felt like, oh no, now I have this degree. I have this knowledge. People are going to expect me to know what I'm talking about. People are going to expect me to have all of the answers. And I'm just out of school. I haven't been practicing. What am I supposed to do? And I started to notice, oh, I'm just a beginner in this. I'm a novice. You know, there's people who have been practicing for 10, 20, 30 years. Why would someone want to come see me? So it's almost like I hit, I, Cross the finish line of what I thought would make me feel confident and secure and not like the imposter. And it just like I pressed reset and I was all the way back at the beginning now in a new game, starting from scratch where there were so many people who knew more than me and who was I to enter this space. And that really affected me moving into the workspace right out of school because I was entering into the workforce feeling like I have nothing to offer. Who would want to be working with me? You know, I'm never going to find a job. And that really, um, became clear when uh, by the jobs that I was applying to and what I was willing to accept. So my first role that I accepted 
the people who I ended up working for being kind of flat out said that they were taking a risk on me because I was new and I was out of school. They offered me very little money. Um, but the way that they presented it was they were giving me this opportunity. They were going to mentor me and they were taking a risk on me that I sort of felt like I should be so grateful for them doing that because what do I have to offer? Who am I? Um, you know, I'm not going to ask for more money. I'm not going to, again, overstep my boundaries here. I should just be grateful for this opportunity. And that really was my introduction into the, the workforce of feeling like I'm just not good enough to be here. I have to continuously prove myself before I ask for anything. Wow. That, your story is obviously unique in its context, but I can certainly see how so many others will hear pieces of their own story in what you're describing. And I, I think it's so powerful the way you're talking about this sort of desire to reach that end state that will get rid of that underlying anxiety and sense of not being good enough. And then here you find yourself with even more pressure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's one of those things that part of me is like, not, ex I don't know if excited is the right word, but, um, I, it's, it makes me feel good that other people will relate to this. So that way they can, you know, heal in their own sense, but also so sad, right. That so many people can relate to this and just how often this is happening for people. Um, and you know that, yes, my story is unique as everybody's is, but like you're saying, so many people do have a version of this um, on their own. And that, that really is heartbreaking to me to feel how many people are just feeling not good enough on a regular basis. So how have you managed that? Yeah. So um, it, in many different ways, I guess, a lot of internal work. So I think at first I thought the goal was um, to to overcome this, to not feel this imposter syndrome, to feel very confident. And what I thought confident meant was to not really have any doubt and to have um, this sense of, oh, I do belong here. I do know what I'm talking about. I do know more than everybody else. That's sort of what I felt confidence was and that I wasn't ready um, to really step into that space until I felt that way. And through some inner work, um, I really realized that that's, that's not... Um, what I'm looking for. The, how I've worked through this is actually leaning in. So at first I thought like I needed to break free and now I realize I actually have to just lean into the discomfort that it's okay to be feeling that way. Um, it's, you know, I'm a human and humans have all sorts of experiences. We can't really remove doubt, but what I can stop doing is letting doubt and fear make the decisions kind of run the show for me. So what that would look like, I mean, even in this conversation, to be honest, like I'm like, who am I to be talking about imposter syndrome? And it's so funny because it's like, all I literally have to talk about is talking about what I don't know. And it still makes me feel like, why would, I, who am I to be talking about this? And then I, I acknowledge that I feel, okay, there's some doubt there. There's some insecurity there and it's still okay for me to show up. It's okay to feel that way and just not let it run the show. And that's really been the biggest turning point for me um, in so many ways in my life of it's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay to be scared. Um, you can continue on and do what you want, even with those feelings alongside. So now it's sort of like I pack it all with me. It's like, okay, doubt, fear, you know, all of that comes with me, but I still show up for my goals and dreams and values that I'm wanting to move forward with. I love the way you're saying that. I think that having realistic expectations with ourselves about what we're going to feel, how we're going to move through these transitions and these uncertainties that inevitably lie ahead of us 
is so important because if we set that bar so high that, oh, I need to know everything, do everything, be perfect, we're setting ourselves up to fail. We will right. be disappointed. So just knowing that these complex feelings are going to be with us, it's just how do we manage them? How do we navigate through them and still continue to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves? Yes. Yes. I love the way that, that you've said that of really kind of managing the expectations, because like you said, if the expectation is I'm not going to feel this way, either we're going to be paralyzed in fear and not take action, right. Or chronically disappointed that we're, that we're having those. But for me now, if my goal um, becomes, I just show up, right. I just show up and do the best that I can in that moment. Like, well, there's, there's room for success each time, right. It's, it's just really changing also what I view success as and really what I view confidence as that, I'm now seeing confidence isn't that I'm not scared, right? Confidence isn't that I don't feel a little bit of doubt or, um, you know, criticizing myself in that way. That can be there. But confidence really is that it's, I know that it's safe and I'm okay to show up even if I have those things. And so it's been really a 180 for me in the way that I view success and confidence and um, in, in that way. And that's been a huge, huge benefit for working through imposter syndrome. So you also help other people through, as you mentioned earlier, the, I'm trying to think of the best way to frame it. You'd be better at, at telling me what you do than I am, but essentially through the, the fear, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. how do you help others and what, what do you see as themes across other people that you're working with? Yeah. So I think that the, oh, this overriding theme in general is a lot of shame. Um, for so many people, and this this feeling that they're alone in this, that they're different, right? That they're they're unique, but seeing their uniqueness as a negative thing, which everybody is unique. But it's I actually, you know, and I this is one of the things like I'm still embracing myself, but that the uniqueness is actually a really positive thing because when we we're stepping up and we're telling our story in whatever way that means, you know, you're the expert in yourself, right? No one is more of an expert in that way. And so that's part of the work that I do is helping people to really just embrace themselves um, in whatever way that looks like and really open up into to vulnerability. And that's been what I thought it was going to be the biggest deterrent for me in my career has been the greatest asset. So another way that imposter syndrome has really reared its head is I deal with a lot of anxiety and depression in terms of um, the work that I do with clients, but also that's been a huge part of my life and overcoming that. And for a very long time, I felt like I needed to hide that. I felt like, who am I to be speaking on this? Um, when, when, you know, I've dealt with it myself and I still deal with it in, in its own capacity. And then I realized like, who am I not to speak? Like, who am I? I am the, the one to be speaking on this because I understand it in, from a unique perspective. And the more open and vulnerable that I was, I actually started to attract the people that I really could help. So that's a big piece of the work that I do in whatever capacity that means. Once we own our, our gifts and what those gifts might mean are our insecurities. They might be our doubts. They may be our fears. When we just accept who we are, then we have the greatest ability to show up fully and to change. But we can't really change something until we accept that it's there either. And I do see as, this, as a theme with so many people that I work with, um, the sense of denial um, or trying to get rid of certain feelings, get rid of certain traits that they have. And what that's perpetuating is just this chronic idea that I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me. I should feel bad for who I am. But when we move into just embracing, look at this is who I am, then we really have the ability to say, okay, which parts of ourselves do I want to cultivate? and Which ones do I want to you know, let go of a little bit more? 
if that makes sense. I'm not sure if I explained that very well. No, you are, you're making me think of so many things and this has just been so fascinating. And the vulnerability piece is such an important part of this conversation too. And I think you and I can both relate to this because we both are in service provider roles Mm -hmm. for people who struggle with things that are similar to our own experience. And I agree with you completely on that. Who am I and who am I? Who am I not to talk mm-hmm. to? I, I have found that in the process of really trying to be of service to other people, bring awareness, help people manage through a lot of these situations, I've gotten stronger in the process. And yes, it allows me to more effectively serve. And so it's kind of this iterative process where I grow along with the people that I serve. And, it, and then I absolutely even stronger to that population. So yes. I agree 100%. (laughs) Definitely. And and to your point, right, if we were to just pretend and say, oh, well, no, this doesn't bother me or or I'm not qualified to serve in this capacity, then we would deprive other people of the great work that we have to offer and not be as well positioned to support ourselves in the process. Absolutely. Yes, it's. I mean, I think the greatest work that I do, um, which sort of, it's funny when I think about it because it's like, wow, I probably didn't even need to go to school for all of these years or do all of these trainings to get to this. But um, it's it's really just holding space for people to be their true, authentic selves. And I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people either say, I mean, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s say, I've never said this to anyone before, right? This is the first time I'm saying this out loud. Or like they open up to these almost dark secrets that they've been harboring for their whole life and then realizing like, it really isn't that dark of a secret that so many other people share that feeling or that emotion or that thought. And it's so freeing to people. I've just seen someone walk in the office and then by the time they leave, even if I've said nothing but hold space for them, oh, I feel so much better. That was a weight was lifted. And it's like, really, I don't think there are as many avenues in the world where people can just show up as their full self and truly be accepted. And that has been so healing. What I've seen for people is that when they're allowed to say, oh, I am afraid of this. I do feel like a fraud here. I am nervous about this. And to realize that the world keeps turning, that other people feel the same way, that they're not weird or different or broken because of that is so healing and allows them to go out and you know show up fully in their life and their relationships and their career. And so that's the most rewarding part, really, I think, about what I do. I could not agree with you more. I think that there's something so powerful just about being able to safely say things out loud and to... Mm-hmm take ownership of feelings that we have been actively trying to deny um, or suppress for so long. And you obviously provide a safe space for doing that. Do you have any thoughts on how others who maybe aren't working with a coach who don't have a therapist who are just trying to navigate their everyday lives Mm -hmm. might be able to lean into those vulnerabilities a little bit Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great question. And I think the first step on that um, is really it's it's admitting it to themselves first. Um, and in it in just that place of inner acceptance. And that's something that I I struggled with for a long time, um, even before I was working with anyone. I mean, I'd worked with therapists for a very long time, but I was even um filtering sort of what I would say to them out of shame, out of 
like fear that they would think differently of me. And so I started to write down just some of the, the thoughts that I was having about myself and some of the inner beliefs. And I was really able to see this pattern of like, my gosh, no wonder like, I, I, I'm, I'm terrible to myself. Like the things that I'm saying and believing about myself, I would never even say to someone who I really dislike. So I was able to see really concretely these things that I was saying about myself. And so if someone is just is brand new to this, or like you said, isn't working with someone in a professional sense, even just taking time to journal on this a little bit or write things down or just sit and, and think about um, what is a part of me that I noticed that I have never said to anyone before or that I've been trying to suppress. And with no expectations on this, it's really just getting it out there because the more that it's, we can't do anything with it unless we, unless we're aware of it. And so I think the first step is just bringing things into their awareness. And then even if they have friends or, or, you know, a partner or anything like that to just test the waters with, of, you know, asking a question. So getting curious about things of, you know, um, what's an emotion that you have that you, you're often afraid to show, right. Or something like that, just starting a conversation going, I more nine out of 10 times, people are waiting for someone to, to have that conversation, right. There's so many people who want to be talking about these things, but feel like they're the only ones who want to be talking about them. So that's the other piece that if you do have, you know, close friendships or relationships that you feel safe in, of course, it needs to be someone who you feel accepted around, but starting the conversations, I think that's leaning back into that vulnerability that more, you being vulnerable breeds more vulnerability. It makes it safe for someone else too. But the first step really is just doing that inner work with, within yourself of, can you admit it to yourself? Because if you're even afraid to say it out loud to yourself or to write it down for yourself, that, you know, of course it's going to be extra scary to bring somebody else and open yourself up for judgment from someone else in that space. I love that. I think those are really powerful action steps that anybody can take. And you're absolutely right. That first step is so important. And I think there's something really powerful about getting those thoughts outside of your head into a more objective external space. Yes. So that you can recognize, wow, look at the way I talk to myself. Look at the way, mm-hmm. I, like you said, we wouldn't think that way or talk that way to anybody else in our lives. Right. And then, and then to your other point about just strategically sharing, I think that goes so far and it does have a ripple effect. Like you said, everybody's walking around scared. We're all, mm-hmm. and we're all looking for leaders to set the example, to take the first step and, we all have an opportunity to be that leader, to let our guard down a little bit, test the waters, as you said, uh, with certain people and mm-hmm. surprised by the response. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think and that's, that's leaning into the risk, I think, right? That it is scary to, to put yourself out there, but the reward is, is so worth it. And I think so many people are cutting themselves short before even trying. They just assume it's not going to go well. They assume that they will be judged. And, you know, myself included in this, that's, and it's still something that I struggle with. Um, but the, once I started to just say, look, this is who I am um, and I'm going to speak about it. It just, not only did it heal me in so many ways, but it, it, it attracted people to me who wanted that, who wanted that energy. I mean, so many people, everyone wants to connect, right? Everyone wants to connect and we can't truly feel connected if we're not showing up as our authentic self. So I agree, you know, with, with what you're saying. It really is just taking that first step of testing the waters. And you mentioned the risk, which I think is a really important point too. One of the things that I think is helpful in processing the risk and think, thinking about what 
you know, in terms of what we fear might happen is that in reality, we're not responsible for how other people respond. We can't control that. And if they do not respond positively, it's often a reflection of their own issues. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that ties um, really well into just imposter syndrome in general, um, too, is when I know that for me, when I have those thoughts of, you know, who am I to be speaking on this? Or what if someone has something negative to say about me? Or what if someone's like, why is she speaking on this? That is That has nothing to do with me, really, right? That's their own stuff that's been triggered of maybe they want to be speaking on something that they're not, right? Or they it, it's triggered a deep wound within them that it's like, oh, I, well, now that I've seen that someone can overcome this, I'm the only one that's holding myself back. So often it's just a reflection, right? We're mirrors for one another. So exactly like you're saying, if someone has a negative experience to something like that, they can, can we be okay allowing them to have their own experience, but not me, not take it to mean that something's wrong with us or that we've done something wrong? Exactly. Exactly. And if that's happening on a bigger scale, if you're in a company and I say this a lot, which may sound overly simplistic, but if you're in a company where you truly cannot be your authentic self, mm-hmm. it's time to start asking the question, is this the right place for me? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and I think, and that's where trusting oneself comes in as well, because I've, I've seen that a lot and I've worked with a lot of people who, in, this applies, like you're saying, to companies, like your job or, or an intimate relationship where like deep down you sort of know this, I, I can't show up as my full self here. Um, and rather than just saying this might not be a fit for me, we, we start to dig of what's wrong with me. How can I show up differently so that way they will accept me? But it's like, why are we trying to to change who we are to fit someone else. Whereas it's, it would be so much more healing to just decide this probably is a better fit out there for me, but we can't really get to that point. Like you're saying, until we accept that this really is how I'm feeling about this. Exactly. Which takes us right back to that perfect starting place of just self-awareness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation for me. I am so grateful that you're here today. I would love to ask you just a couple more questions. Sure motivated you to want to tell your story today and what are you hoping people will take away from it? Yeah, so I'm really motivated to share my story in part. Um, I, I always feel kind of selfish, I guess, saying this, but it's really healing for me. Um, and goes back to the point of vulnerability of um, that it's once it becomes safe for me to just show up as myself and to not have to be perfect and not feel like I have it all together. It allows me to show up in the world as, as, um, you know, a more authentic version of myself. And because I've seen that happen for me, I want to give others the courage and the really permission to do the same, that offer a safe space, let them know that if they're feeling like I was at one point, right, holding everything inside and not being able to to speak out on it, um, that it's okay to do that. And it might not be well received by everybody, but it will be by some and that there's so much healing that can happen from that. And really to just encourage people to, to take that step so that way they can, they can live their life to the fullest. I mean, that's all that we really have here. And I think so many people are still playing small in you know, their personal or professional lives um, out of this fear that they're not ready or they're not good enough or there's someone you know, who's better than them. And you know, there's where no one's really better or, or worse than anyone else, right? We're all equal, but it's a matter of if you don't believe that, um, the world's going to, you know, whatever you believe, you're going to find evidence to support that. So I'm hoping to just be a little bit of a voice for people to push them in the direction of believing in themselves is really what I, what I hope people take away from it. And I guess I heard this, 
a quote that I will I won't be able to quote exactly, and I can't even remember who, where I heard it from. But um, it was this idea which really helped me with imposter syndrome of what if you know as we step as we step into this new version of ourselves, we often feel like that's the imposter, right? I'm not ready to do this. Who am I to be doing this? What if that's actually your true self, and the person who you've been showing up as up until this point was the imposter? And that's been really helpful for me to feel like, well, maybe I'm not like showing up as an imposter right now. Maybe I have been my whole life and now I'm showing up as my true self. So that's also something that I hope maybe people can just look at it with a different perspective of they're not, you know, being an imposter when they show up differently. Maybe they're actually stepping into their true self. I love that. That is such a perfect place to wrap up. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a great thought. I absolutely love it. And, And thank you again for being here. This has been such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with other women who can benefit from this conversation. Before we go, I want to share some additional resources with you. If you struggle with this, with imposter syndrome and you want to manage it more effectively, I invite you to join my free imposter syndrome online challenge. Every day for seven days, you'll get an email with self-reflection questions and exercises to help you better understand your own experience with imposter syndrome and how to navigate it more effectively. To join the free challenge, visit executivecareersuccess.com slash imposter dash syndrome dash challenge. When you sign up, you'll immediately receive your first message. Also, if you're interested in joining a community of women who engage in candid conversations that generally aren't happening elsewhere, I invite you to join my leading women discussion group. On the first and third Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern, we meet virtually over Zoom to talk about questions or challenges related to career management, leadership development, and any other relevant topics such as imposter syndrome and confidence. It's always a great discussion with a great group of women. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to be my guest on a future call. Just reach out to me at kim at executivecareersuccess.com and I will share the call details with you. And if you want to join my newsletter to receive tips, insights, and updates, text leading women, all one word, to 66866. Finally, consider telling us your story. Contact me to learn more about how you can be a guest on the Imposter Syndrome Files. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.